Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. We are one episode away from an all-horror October kickoff, and it is one of the co-hosts' penultimate episode. Yeah. My name is Joe Hilliard. Of course, I'm joined by... Dave Gurney and Carlos Cooper. Yeah, you're right. This is, I mean, big episode for a lot of reasons. A lot of stuff going on. We have a new film that people are talking about that's getting buzz. That's always exciting. We are closing out Sober sober September. We haven't really dubbed it that, but we've gone non-alcoholic all September on the podcast. Um, this is going to be the last week of that. We might have a rogue in there in the mix. I'm hearing some some, some tales of that. Whispers. Uh, and as you said, this is Carlos's penultimate, his next to last episode. I'm still with us I'm still on a pro- regular basis. I'm still He'll come processing, back unpacking the news, David. I'll be honest with you. Um, nonetheless, we, we want to go out with a bang. We want to have something in our glasses to celebrate that. And as I already made mention of, we are in a period of doing non-alcoholic beers this month, trying out what is out there. And this week has us going, I think, back to one of those craft uh, non-alcoholic breweries. Mm-hmm. This is Athletic Brewing Company. They are out of, oh, I had just looked at that. And San Diego. California, it makes sense. The, the branding looks very California, doesn't mm. it? Um, it's Freeway. California wave. knows how to party. <laughs> they do, don't they? Uh, it's Freeway Hazy IPA. Uh, Carlos has already gotten his can open. I'm getting mine open. I'm going to pour mine just so I can see. Is this a hazy? Is it, are yeah, we, are we getting like the hazy know. visual? I would like to know. Um, you are getting s- a smell. You're getting a good uh, tropical nose on that thing? Yeah. Like you, ooh, I'm excited. See here. Ooh, I I agree, and it is somewhat uh, opaque. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I mean it's not the haziest of hazies, but uh, it's it's not pure translucent. This is this is a promising uh, pour here, yeah. guys. Join us in after hours, I guess, where we can round up all the non-alcoholics that we tried, and a couple of us got a chance to see Moon Age Daydream, the new David Bowie documentary. That's we'll talk true. we'll talk about that in after hours as well. Do you use my coupon code? I tried. It didn't work. It nothing happened. Oh, damn. But uh, I, I pointed to you, Carlos. Popcorn. Oh, well, uh, take two. Join us in after hours. Patreon.com slash beer movie podcast. Oh, I'm gonna miss it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, th- that'll be an exciting thing to stick around for. I'm excited to taste this beer from uh, this non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing. This is maybe the most promising on the front yeah. that I've had of any of the, the non-alcoholics that we've had all month. David, I am looking across the room. It looks like you poured a beer in that glass. Yeah. The, the head, the color, <laughs> the effervescence looks very nice. All right. Well, what did we pour this wonderful libation for here, uh, Carlos? Well, we are going to talk about a film, a movie that really feels like a movie. An event. And uh, it is... The 2020 motion picture, Don't Worry Darling, uh, written by Katie Silberman, uh, directed by Olivia Wilde, who we all know. I mean, we. Favorite of the podcast from before. Big favorite of the podcast, Book Smart, is big time up there in some of our favorite comedies in recent years. Um, also co-written by Katie Silberman, right. and that was 2019. 
that was a movie that if you remember our episode about it, I went and saw and then literally like three days later took a completely separate group of people to go see it because I was like, you guys have to fucking see this movie. Loved it. And so Olivia Wilde's second directorial feature, don't worry, darling. Uh, And this brief synopsis is a 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company that he works for, not his company as in being around her, could be hiding (laughs) disturbing secrets. It stars Florence Pugh as Alice and Harry Styles as Jack. They are the couple that are the focus of this film with uh, the head of this experimental community, Frank, played by Chris uh, Prine. Pine. I always want to say Prine. It, it it's a better last name. No. Uh, and then we've got Olivia Wilde in it, Kiki Lane, uh, who we know from If Beale Street Could Talk, uh, which mm-hmm. we've done on this podcast, Gemma Chan uh, as Shelly, Chris Pine's wife, uh, Nick Kroll's in there. We've got Kate Berlant. Yeah. Uh, a lot of... Uh, Good cast. Timothy Good Simons, cast. fucking love him. Um, yeah, great star-studded cast, a lot going on. Now, before we get into <laughs> discussing the film, everyone that didn't know about this movie knows about it now because there has been a lot of press oh, yeah. and a lot of Tongue. craziness leading up to it. And so I am going to give a very brief breakdown of all of the, the timeline drama. Here? You, I'm, giving the, ti- a, I'm giving the timeline. I am not giving you the timeline. Long beer in a movie listener and fantastic writer Vanessa Pettis is giving you the timeline. Ooh. She has an email uh, <laughs> newsletter subscription called I Might Be Right that she does through Substack. We can post a link to that because it is very, very good. And Happily. so she, she sent out this incredible write-up on everything leading up to this movie. Uh, the title of the email is called Hustle and Flow, F-L-O, period. And the subheading is The Darlings Are Worrying. And I will say that I indeed was. Okay, so I'll, I'm going to read. Go. Oh, okay, I thought you were trying I'm, to get I'm me in, to stop. I'm, I'm hyping you. I'm like okay, cool, cool. silently, mimingly hyping you. Everything else I say, I'm going to read directly from the email because there's no reason for me to paraphrase writing like this. Okay, so here we go. If you're familiar with the general timeline of events, feel free to keep scrolling. We're about to delve into the timeline of events that have led up to now. Grab a snack, have a pee, let's get into it. <laughs> April 2020, Florence Pugh, Shia LaBeouf, and Chris Pine are slated to star in Olivia Wilde's new psychological thriller, Don't Worry Darling. I added the Don't Worry Darling, so it's not a direct quote. September 2020, LaBeouf is replaced by Harry Styles due to, quote, scheduling conflicts. October 2020, filming begins. November 2020, Olivia Wilde and fiance Jason Sudeikis split after 11 years. December 2020, Shia LaBeouf is served with an abuse lawsuit by former partner FKA Twigs and Car- uh, oh, sorry, a former partners FKA Twigs and Carolyn Foe. I don't know that one. P H O is how it's spelled. Reports of LaBeouf having been dropped from "Don't Worry, Darling" begin to pop up alongside the first sighting of, Wy- of Olivia Wilde's infamous "No Assholes" policy. January 2021: First sightings of Wilde and Styles as a couple appear at a friend's wedding. April 2022, big jump in time. Wilde is served with custody papers while on stage at CinemaCon. Well, that wasn't nice. And then leading up to the release of this film in August 2022, Florence Pugh is notably absent from any press junkets leading up to the premiere of Don't Worry, Darling. In her profile for Harper's Bazaar, she discusses her breakup with Zach Braff, her privacy, and unsurprisingly, nothing about Don't Worry, Darling, aside from a vague comment about sex scenes. 
Wild and Styles also both have covers and profiles done in Variety and Rolling Stone, respectively. Olivia Wilde and Shia LaBeouf begin to have a very public back and forth via public comment regarding whether or not he was fired, as Wilde insists, or if he quit, as LaBeouf tries to support with some Kanye-esque public text sharing. See also, quote, Miss Flow video sent from Wilde to LaBeouf, seemingly asking him back to set after a premature departure, whilst not so subtly implying a lack of, quote, commitment by Pew, aka Miss Flow, to the project. Whew, still with me? Great. While it might not look like a ton on paper, the true gem of the story lies in, as is often the case, the nuance. Some of us have spent the last few months seeking a uh, lack of acknowledgement of the film by P Florence Pugh is noteworthy. She insisted that she's favored uh, promo for her new film with Christopher Nolan Oppenheimer, which comes out, checks watch, next year. <laughs> and then it goes on from there. So amidst all of this, there's also Spitgate, where it looked like Harry Styles spit yeah, on Chris yeah, Pine. Yeah, there's yeah. also... Harry Styles seemingly to absolutely refuse to stand next to Olivia Wilde at the Venice Film Festival uh, at this film's premiere, um, and Florence Pugh very dramatically making an appearance there, whilst also exiting in the middle of the standing ovation for the film. Lots leading up to this movie, right? So yeah. given given everything I've just said, our love, our at least my devout love of Booksmart, our general agreement that it was a good film anticipation for what is this director going to do next and then all of that how could we have ever prepared ourselves to go into a screening of this film d d joe did you try to stay removed from yeah. the, the hype you, yeah you, you were aware a little bit glancingly you I, knew well something i got so much stuff on, on any news feed about stuff, film you see the hollywood reporter stuff. right so it's difficult to escape yeah. but i didn't pursue any of the information right but you knew there was there was hubbub you and sure. you're not a big twitterer I'm not, and but, but I mean, it was covered at length on our Discord that you know we sure. have for beer and a movie, which we'd love to yeah. have you join us there. So you know, I mean, general interest, but otherwise, don't really care. You yeah. can find a link to the Discord on beerandamoviepodcast.com. dot com. Uh, yeah, my consumption of all of this drama came from Twitter. In fact, it was a classic situation of seeing tweets about something I did not understand, and then having to go seek out, figure out what was going what on. the jokes like, so that I could understand the jokes that were yeah. being made. Yeah. I, for me, it made uh, some difference just because, or made some impact just because I did like Booksmart a lot. I love Jason Sudeikis. Mm -hmm. I, I came around on Ted Lasso. And Florence Pugh and Jason Sudeikis, real life buddies. She was. They a, are. She filmed a cameo in Ted Lasso that ended up getting cut from that episode. I didn't but there know was that. there were photos. Was that of, before and after all this? Uh, Stuff like uh, were they friends before? Olivia I think they Wilde? were friends before yeah. this, the filming of this. But it, the actual her like almost appearing on Ted Lasso had to be happening happening concurrently or at least close to around the filming and mm. of this and the work on it. I don't know. Um, but another layer to my experience of this film was yeah. that I went and saw it with Corpus Christi's biggest Harry Styles fan, my mother in law, <laughs> and. I was it like you guys were just jamming adore you the whole way there and no no actually we didn't listen to any Harry Styles on the way mm -hmm. um, but she really wanted to see it and Kylie was like yeah Carlos has to watch for the podcast so we'll go with you and then her excitement for the film overwhelmed any uh, misgivings that you had no um, scheduling capabilities because 
as the date approached and we had it like locked in a time, she was like, I'm just going to go see it by myself. And Kylie was like, no, wait, like, we'll go with Stop. you. Like, like just tell us when you want to go. And she was like, well, I was going to go on fourth at four 30 on Thursday by myself. Uh, and she was like, well, we'll go Thursday night. Like we'll get, we'll get tickets. Like, you know, uh, we'll go, uh, you don't have to go by yourself. So we, the three of us went six 30 Thursday evening. The, I guess, Previewed. Yeah, that's is there a, yeah. is there a name for what that is now? Early it's release. the soft open. Yeah. It's okay. like the Thursday the numbers open. night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so there was that as well. So, um, you know, I, I had to be mindful of that going in because the last time I went and saw a movie with her, and look, I love my mother in law. She's fantastic. Um, couldn't have asked for a better one. Uh, but we don't off we don't always agree on films. And why should you? And, I mean, we don't always agree on no, films. No, sh- sure. But the last time I went to see a movie with her was Bohemian Rhapsody, which as listeners of this podcast Did she love know, it? loved it. Like and we you got definitely out, didn't. We yeah. got out of the the screening and the first thing that, you know, she said was, Oh my god, it was so fun. Like I like I loved the music. Like I wanted to sing along, but I know we're in a movie and like et cetera, et cetera. And so I I I didn't really say a whole lot about it. I was like, oh, yeah, it was, it was all right, you know, because um, I didn't want to be like, actually, that movie fucking sucks, and you suck for so, liking so it. Listen to the so podcast. what happened this time? What happened this time? Uh, what happened this time is we got out of the film, and uh, Denise asked me what I thought about it, and I, was, and I, I didn't want to say anything just yet because, like, I was the first person that you're was asked this question. In, you're you know just what I mean? putting orders in an Applebee's, right? Yeah. I imagine yes. this, this is like the post-film <laughs> no. uh, powwow. No, we went to... Could it be some riblets? <laughs> we went to Alamo, so we hit uh, we hit Laredo Taco Company afterwards. Um, uh, but, that's uh, the move. That's the move. <laughs> Sit in the stripes. No, uh, I was like, you know, I think I'm still digesting that one. And then we got in the car, and like by the time we had gotten out of the parking lot, Kylie... You were screaming and no, pounding no, on the dashboard. No, Kylie and... Kylie and her mom had already kind of in, in plain in, no in plain English said how they felt about oh, it, okay. which then made me feel comfortable to talk about how I felt. You said I've seen this movie before. It's called The Matrix, and oh, then you God no, it's called The Village. Yeah, there's a lot. That Actually, was so. There's so, a lot of pick. There's a so lot of picking uh, up from front, other films here. The Village didn't have the like. No, no, no. no. But up front, uh, when we were deciding what we were going to pair with this movie. Uh, you know, I told you guys I was like, I'm seeing it like almost as early as a human being can see this movie without going to I a film festival. I may have a better pairing after Just seeing it. Yeah. Give me until Thursday give evening, and if if I if I think what we have planned is right, then we'll continue. If I think I can, if, if there's something that jumps out at me that's better, we'll have time to pivot. Uh, we ended up sticking with our original idea because I didn't want to say the village because then I felt like that would give too much of the plot away and would kind of. Yeah, ter- I, I appreciate that you didn't, territory. though. That twist of the village, real quick, came out of nowhere for me. I See, I love seeing the village. I like the village or a lot. are talking about this movie? No, the twist in the village okay. when it turns out that they're... Yeah, it's a great twist. And yeah. it's like the very end of the film. Yeah. Uh, it, it's almost like twist credits. That's which good. Is, so, but so... This movie is not good. That uh, synopsis that you read <laughs> is, I mean, real, barely scratches what we're seeing here. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You said, but you is, said you're leading. This movie's not good. This movie is really not good. Okay. Um, it is a movie that fancies itself to be an incredibly smart film and is actually very dumb. Uh, Harry Styles is not good at acting, as it turns out. <laughs> uh, Christopher Nolan fooled us. Um, well the, done, Kirk. That way. <laughs> the writing is pretty bad. 
the twist is really bad. And so now that I'm just kind of out there and we will get more and more into it as we go. Um, but when I saw incel Harry Styles, I, I, wore, I, I wore a jacket into the theater because it gets cold yeah. and I had to slump down in my seat and wrap my jacket around my entire face so that I could avoid like laughing out loud or like doing anything that would give away that I found that moment laughable and like not serious because again this is still when I'm fully anticipating my mother-in-law to come out and defend it with all her might because of how much she loves Harry Styles. Sure. Now I was surprised when she was like I mean, basically she was like, why would he do this? Like his acting career is like so new and like, you know, people have liked what he's been in and why would he do this movie? This wasn't a good movie, you know? And she didn't like put a lot of the blame on him. As you don't see either, it. You but. don't see it at least as a bold attempt. I, I don't think this is a good movie either, but, but I, I forgive it. It's all style over substance. <sighs> that's, I mean, I think that's a lot of it. A lot yeah. of it is shh, they thought that they could get away with in style a lot of, I mean, the the premise is just so weird. I mean, because we've already brought up The Matrix, which I think is actually a good comparison. It is. At least in terms of how the technology of this is supposed to work once it gets revealed. Well, and it's also a good comparison as far as, like, the world that we live in is not good anymore. So let's put ourselves in this artificial world that we have made as perfect as we can and... You know, in the Matrix, there's that whole part about like we made the world too perfect, the humans wouldn't accept it. Right. And in this movie, they were just like, we've never seen that, so we're just going to make it as perfect as we can. But also, we're going to program in all of these unanswerable questions that are really weird instead of just giving. And we're going to make it a very limited space, like the, yeah. which is this programming controlling it? There seems to be actual physical uh, laws and properties that they have to follow in terms of being an actual spatial locations. Yeah, which like is the odd. mountain they have to go to. Well, it's well, but they're but, but in that's a bed like the, the whole time. But that's like the phone call, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah, like, you know, in the matrix you have to get to a phone to right. get out and this there one you have, you have to, to go to through this tunnel dome. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, it's 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 really weird. It's unfathomably stupid that whoever came up with this idea wouldn't have just made up a good job. A good job. For like oh, what oh. the men do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's really where it all falls apart is that they're so secretive well, about I their think, work. Well, I think they're trying I, I think they're trying to capitalize on the idea of the the people who are working on the nuclear experiments, you know, in the forties or whatever under Oppenheimer, right? Like yeah. they, they were doing these secret jobs and so, and so like it hints at that and given the period that it seems to be set in, which you realize is a ruse, you know. Um that that I think they wanted to do that as like a way to kind of, there was a built-in escape, like, oh, that's probably what's going on here, some yeah. version of that. Oh, so you're willing to go with it for a while. For a little And they bit. do go with it for a while, even yeah. though there is this chaotic uh, um, switching between these different psychological states that she's having. Joe, you've, you say you have stayed very quiet. I feel like we should give you an opening. <laughs> you're like, I was so bored by this movie, I don't even want no, to talk No, I wasn't it. bored. I really succumbed, succumbed to the style. I enjoyed the style like the very, style. Okay. very much. The, 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 the set decoration, the costuming. I, the, nobody could uh, say that the production design yeah. on this film was haphazard. The, the no, it's very... very the yeah. cinematography... I remained intrigued because you could tell I, I watched the trailer one time. And when you watch that trailer, you know that it's very spoiler filled. You know, that, that, that this might be one of those movies that you want to stay away from reading too much about because you want to know you want the twist to be in 
revealed by the uh, filmmaker and not some fucking asshole on, on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So going in, I mean, blind outside of seeing the trailer once a month ago, it I was hooked into well, where are we going? Where are we going? I didn't think Harry Styles was as bad as all that. I really enjoyed seeing Nick Kroll. I mean, I really enjoyed seeing he, Nick yeah, Kroll. He, I, I was mean, pretty mixed on him. <laughs> very, very small supporting it was, role. It was he wasn't given the much top, to do. But then given where, I don't know, it's so weird once the twist happens mm-hmm. to think back on the way that they, because he's really only in the beginning and setting the tone. It's like an overacting. That's where I was talking to Aaron about this. I said, I can almost forgive some of, some of the wooden kind of acting from Harry Styles in that this is a non-actor guy trying to perform a character for the benefit of his wife to stay in this delusional oh, state. you are being very generous. <laughs> but, but, what, but there's some, there's a tiny little, there's a tiny little angle of truth. I Believe no, me, sure. I'm not trying to defend this film overall, but I can understand <laughs> that it couldn't be a straightforward. The, the thing that I would have trouble with is I feel like it should have had other little um, tells in it. Like it's very flat. It's very kind of monotone. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see the struggle that should be going on under the surface of somebody who's in that state. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, you, would, you would think, but men are kind of made into dimensionless sort of villains here, which, which is okay. I mean, I'm not, yeah. that's a part of the film I'm behind. And that's where I say sure. as a bold attempt at making like a feminist parable, I think it's trying to be fe- it's trying to be feminist, but whenever you get this, but it's it doesn't achieve anything. You don't think so? It doesn't. No. So like I I'm 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 right there with you, Joe. Until the twist happened, I was fully engaged. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed the pace. I enjoyed. It's got a decent pace. You the, didn't think it, you, I've seen. It gets a little repetitive, right? Like certainly. there's there's no, like no, no, a no. weird like circular thing, and I get that they have to establish that. And and I, I think in this kind of film, you, you would have to have some version of that. I feel like that portion of the film could have been compressed considerably and still gotten me to the You're same talking about place. go to work, clean the house. To, like, and her like, experiences escalating. Right. Like she goes through a period, some dramatic thing. She has a break with reality. She wakes up in a different point. What just happened? Yeah. I have no idea. And then you go through it again and then break from yeah. reality. And then, yeah. There is, uh, she has a neighbor and the neighbor has learned or come to some conclusions about what might be going on. The Lane character, yeah. Yeah, and she is there then deemed crazy by everybody else because that's the easiest way to shut that, you know, revolution potentially down. And it, I mean it, and it works from their perspective of like it's easy if if there's only one person that believes a certain thing. Sure. It's sure. easy to be like oh, and everyone yeah. else is so happy at all of their cocktail yeah, yeah. parties and all, you know. You've clearly had a break from reality. Right. Our the, reality at least. The, Which is uh, true. The way that they shop where they just order anything that they want. Yeah. Um and, and it's those kinds of little subtle clues as to okay, this is an odd reality. We're seeing an odd reality. And then when she has when and then when um Florence Pugh has her first of several kind of I believe I'm watching a mental break before I learn exactly what's happening. Yeah. That's whenever uh, the wall moved in and smashed her up against the glass. Um, Interesting visuals. The saran wrap around the face. Very interesting visuals. But don't mean a whole lot. They don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. Well, they're like signs of her like wanting to break out of this simulation. Yeah, she's being claustrophobic. I, I can forgive. I don't mind those moments. I start going... Okay, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? And then, you said it at the very beginning, Carlos. It's a, it's a film trying to be very smart. 
mm-hmm. trying to present an aha matrixy type of situation. Sure. And at the end of the day, I don't think that it amounts to too much. Although I enjoyed the little, you know, I enjoyed the little pieces. You know, I enjoyed the idea that if she can get to that thing, she can reset the, the top of the mountain. Yeah. I enjoyed the idea that the women aren't really drivers. They're, they're, they're not programmed what to you, drive. What do you think of pine? But hold on. But, she, but the, I liked the car chase and the car crash. Yeah. I mean, I, just these little stylistic elements. I thought Chris Pine delivered what he was there to deliver fair, fairly well. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. I liked him. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what though. One of, I think if there's a uh, charismatic leader, he did that fine. Look, the best of the Chris's, Is clearly, he? yes. Yeah, um, you're right. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> not not problematic in any way. Fantastic actor. Right, as far as handsome. we know. As far as we know. As far as we know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Allegedly, <laughs> um, and we're but, including Chris Tucker too, right? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we could include Christoph Waltz as well, although yeah. he might give Chris Pine a run for his yeah, money. Yeah, they might um, be neck and neck. They're <laughs> neck and neck right there. Um, but he's he's good in this movie. He's handsome. He's yeah. got the kind of mysterious, like quiet thing about him. What do you think about Wild? She's I didn't on screen. I didn't need her in it at all. She, um, a little a little weird. Didn't, didn't I, I, I don't think and I don't think that character fully landed for me. Like didn't work. I, I felt like it wanted that to be a punch when she reveals her motivation. But then given how plasticky she was the whole time, wouldn't she be more of a fully like emotional being and feel for these women trapped even if she was consciously making that choice for I, herself? I, I, I mean, you would hope, but clearly some some kind of like narcissistic tendencies of just like my happiness supersedes all is there. I mean, to make such a drastic decision, I guess you'd have to be in kind of a desperate it was like singularly from her focused place. Children dying, right? Yeah. yeah. So her children die in real life. She agrees to go into this. She's like the only woman who is voluntarily there, right? So that she that can well, be with well, her well maybe the, uh, we maybe Chris know. Pine's wife. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. she seems aware, although she revolts. So the- a little bit. Which that look. I'm just gonna get it out of there. You saw the title. We're doing the Stepford Wives in the second half. But the the Gemma Chan move at the end directly taken. From yeah yeah the, the Stepper yeah, Wise yeah, remake yeah, yeah. the see. yeah you're right the uh, Kiki Lane character having a breakdown at the pool party direct like directly taken from the Stepford Wives remake I mean the well, remake yeah Wild okay. took a strange amount from a movie that has a twenty percent twenty eight percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes but it, it's it's also like I mean we'll we'll talk about it in the second half it's also one of those cult films that has a reputation that it's it's a uh, you the can original, just plug it into conversation. The... Well, the concept, but you, oh, you're, you're yeah, right. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, like Stepford Wives, like yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Z- zombie-like women who adhere to you know very conservative ideas of femininity, and yeah. like it gets thrown out there occasionally as just a a concept, even apart right. from these. Yeah, it's it's become that kind of part of popular culture, which is why Correct. I think people still, even a film that is a failure on many levels, <laughs> is somehow part of a successful meme. I don't, you know what I mean? Zeitgeisty like, kind of. Yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah, I think of the three of us, I might have liked it the most, just getting y'all's general tone. But at the same time, it was a it was a big movie. It was it was kind of a chore to watch. I was being I felt like I was being beat up. How did you guys feel about the sound design? I was asking myself a lot through like I felt like it was getting really loud with some of the sound effects, and I think part of that was trying to create this discomforting atmosphere where mm. you know she's. I can't say that I noticed it to the degree I that you did. I didn't notice sound design. 
I've said something akin to this before about another film that I can't remember off the top of my head. I liked the sound soundtrack. You like the pop songs they were using? But again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like we all know that Bretton Wood has some fucking bops, you know. Like so, you can go back to that and like I don't know. There's yeah. a, it was kind of predictable stuff. Although I guess maybe that might be a little more deep cut for some people. But I, I did like that. Now the score by John Powell. I had me begging, begging for Dan the Automator to return oh. because I fucking hated the score in this movie. Hmm. It was a really cheap knockoff of the men's soundtrack, in my opinion. With or, all of the breathe singing, the men's the breath, score, breathy yeah. singing. Yeah. yeah. Also, since we're talking about totally useless crap, uh, the black and white sequences in this movie, oh, are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Didn't it, add up to any. No, I agree. Some style, but I think I think that there was a connection. It was uh, one of the last images that she might have seen before she was put under. It seems like some of it they were trying to like use. She's as grasping a, to her brain's grasping <laughs> to connect the yeah. the simulation with the last known yeah, part yeah, of yeah. her real life. See, to me, it was more of a like this is what we're going to use to hypnotize you into this stasis so that you can willingly or not willingly but you can um be lulled into this compliant uh with state. the ai yeah, 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 yeah. or with the with the augmented right, reality right. um yeah i don't know at the at the end of, well i guess when the twist comes i wrote down like jordan peterson's the village question mark because <laughs> it was like well, they did reference Jordan Peter Jordan Peterson the, in the press for this. So I mean, you, it, you're lying. No, they they said that. The, I mean, it's been said that his character, the Chris Pine character, his rhetoric is based on Jordan Peterson. You know that it's. Uh, Why would they say his name out loud to people? That's anyway. a good question. We just uh, did here on the podcast. But it, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> because that's, we that's want fair. people to be aware of these critical. This is again. I, I'm going to be, you know, you, I think, liked it more than I did, but I can still be an apologist for it in certain ways. I think there is good intents behind some of what, like, she wants to be critical of this mentality that she's seeing surge back up, or they are, you know, which is true. Yeah. There is a no, backlash. Sure, there is sure. this kind of return to sort of conservative, masculine ideals, mm -hmm. a patriarchal uh, there society. Is. The woman's place in society. Yes. Like so Andrew Tate and all those and I, and I think they're on some level like, yeah, bring it right back to the 50s and show people how actually miserable that was for many people, which Mad Men kind of did in it. So, you know, the, we've seen things kind of do this. This is trying to take it from a more sci-fi direction. Um, and it almost kind of lands it, but I think it gets gummed up with not working out all of the mechanics of how this world works. That's 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 the I, big criticism. I, I feel like, and I'm not somebody who usually gets hung up on that, but when the reveal is supposed to make me feel a certain way, you got to have it be a reveal that feels like, oh yeah, that's exactly what's been happening the whole time. Not yeah. like, well, then how the hell do they, why does it matter? Can't they just make people appear if it's yeah, a simulation? Yeah, if, if it's a simulation and we know that. Why do they have to that, get to this physical spot? I don't know. We know that the architect the is anti-chaos, then yeah. why create any chaos at all? Oh, yeah. actually, that's true. Uh, Jordan Peterson's whole thing is that femininity is an inherent state of chaos and masculinity <laughs> is an inherent state of order. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense now. I see. Yeah. I see, I see where they were going with that. 
Yeah. So it, it has laudable ideas. I think, like you say, it's it's not doing anything tremendous with the commentary on it. it beyond, it's barely even working. And it's getting so bogged down in this crazy concept to make you feel this trick reveal thing that's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. that's what it's banking on. It's banking on that you're going to be so swept up by that reveal that it's going to feel like an exciting M. Night Shyamalan moment when those work in the signs or Sixth Sense yeah. that you're going to be like, oh. Oh, now the whole thing is different and you're going to be excited for it. Another thing is that Olivia Wilde, I think, has really done her film a disservice in the marketing for it because one of the things that she went out on her press tour talking about a ton is how there's no male coming in this movie. Like, men never orgasm in this movie. And, like, you know, we... S- don't orgasm much in movies at all. Or any... There well, there's no intercourse. Like, there's a couple of sex scenes, notable sex yeah, scenes. There but are. There, there but are. There's well, no, this one, there's no this one, but, yeah. but, but There's she, no intercourse. It's just the female getting pleasure. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, which, right. which which she talked... Which she... I mean, that's what led her to saying, like, there's no male orgasm in this movie. She was talking about... Harry Styles going down on Florence Pugh yeah. and being, you know, giving us this, you know, image of a woman receiving pleasure without having to reciprocate it or without it having to be male focused, et cetera, et cetera. Things right. like that, which Blue Valentine and Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams famously did uh, years ago and got an NC-17 rating for it. Um, so I guess they were successful in some regard to being able to show something like that and still get the R rating. But... The her own movie undermines that entire point because it's like rape at the end of the day. She's in there involuntarily. Yeah. And so even if you are trying to bank on this like feminist idea of being able to see the roles of pleasure giving versus receiving reversed, the whole twist completely taints no pun intended. I, I, that entire no sequence, pun. you know, <laughs> that's just that's just uh, a straight taint. That isn't even a taint. I mean, it is a little taint. I hadn't given yeah. that thought. Um, I it thought makes it wow. it makes it actually like terrible. And oh violent. yeah, no, the, their whole relationship. When you realize that that's one of the things that kind of works about it is the that part of the switch where it's like, oh man, this because she feels like he is this loving partner of hers who will be able to see past this thing. And, or, and he's or, shown to be that. I yeah. Mean, that's, that's his character. Well, they, they love yeah. one another very yeah. much. Yeah. It seems like an physical affection love. and everything else. But and, then you realize it truly. Yeah. yeah. It's, and like with the twist, there's so, so much more that you could talk about critique, whatever with like the whole idea that because of, the state of our modern world, like we essentially are here just to work ourselves to death, you know, like, but it's really, but really it all gets kind of condensed into my wife doesn't have time to fuck me anymore and I'm not as handsome as I want to be. So I'm going to enslave her in this computer program because why not? You know? Yeah. And that, and that we've built up a whole industry around it or one that's big enough, at least that they can do this on some scale. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's bizarre. It 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 does not work. You know, I sophomore slump for sure. Another film that I threw out there as I was talking about it with Aaron a little bit, eternal sunshine. Like I could have seen something like this being done from like a more ramshackle, like a Michelle Gondry approach almost like, and it could have been dark. It, it, yeah. I don't know. The, you could have done this in different ways. And I feel like... It just needed better writing. It needed... It needed another pass fully. I think it just... Need, I think that it just needed to... I just needed... It just needed a different writer. Like... Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe. Or... or and 
Yeah, and different performers in some cases. Definitely. I mean, and look, there he's he's a complicated man. But by the end of this movie, I w- especially once we got to like the incel part of it or whatever, and they gave Harry Styles acne, like what the fuck? Like it, the, him, him as him as the disheveled guy did not work for me. It was hilarious, and I couldn't take him serious at all. But I just I couldn't help but thinking, and Kylie agreed with me that just what a performance Shia LaBeouf would have given us in this movie. Like he, I, I agree. Is, it would have been it would have been really somebody, interesting to see what he would have done with it. He's somebody that brings a certain intensity to everything he does, and he is somebody that could have given us in the idealized utopia this like he could give us those conflicting feelings yeah. with yeah. just his face and that Harry Styles, who himself has said in press conferences, the thing I love about acting is I don't know what I'm doing, and it's like yeah, no fucking shit, you don't know what you're doing, dude. We can all see it. We can all see it. Like he said that out loud to people. Wow. What are you doing, my uh, guy? Another name sounds... that came to mind was Paul Dano. Paul Dano would have been really good in it because you because you can clean him up. Yeah. But you can. But then once you but once you go to the be, twist, yeah. Once you ooh yeah, that, you can totally, really get that twist. Out of course, of him. he's been that way the whole time. And then uh, and then Vanessa, who very well wrote the um, very cohesively wrote that recap that we did yeah. at the beginning of all the drama her pick was robert pattinson uh Ooh, yeah he could pull he it also off. Can, he I mean, could absolutely pull he can it do off. the handsome thing and he can do the weird yeah. creepy pale disheveled guy thing too but harry styles at the absolute bottom of my list olivia wilde at the too. bottom of my list for that role nick kroll he was just, fine. He was more background. I mean, it if, was more establishing that milieu. He was okay, but it was just. But he carries so much baggage with him, you know, because of all because of the Kroll show, because of all mm. of these all this character work he's done in the past. It's like, am I gonna just buy him as just this guy? I, yeah. I mean, I didn't really. And then the last thing I'll say about the movie, and I and I mean that. I know I say <laughs> that a lot. The last thing I'll say about it is if there was a Razzie Award for worst dance sequence. In a motion picture. Oh, it's when he got up on stage oh, alone. God, it was weird, and it was so long. Yeah, it was unbearable to watch. Also, the uh, whose world is this? Ours. Whose world is this? Ours. Also taken directly from Frank Oz's 2004 motion picture, The Stepford Wives. There's yeah. a point where all the men are like, "Stepford, Stepford, Step," and it's like, "Why are you pulling from that movie? It's not a good <laughs> film. <laughs> Why are you stealing ideas from this?" It makes oh. it's like it's like seeing Gili and being like, oh, there's a lot of this I can use. <laughs> what the fuck? You're stealing from the wrong people. You got yeah. At least Tarantino knows to take from exact good it, stuff. Exactly, yeah, and yeah. he's unapologetic. About I hear it too, which you. I, appreciate I hear about you. Him. But really, really, really disappointing film. I'm not surprised you're coming out so hard against it. Um, you know, I'm I'm almost a little surprised that Joe is as you know mild. All I said was optimist. I liked it the most of the three. I, of I hear you, but you're you're, not, you're kind of putting it up. Wide margin. And I'm giving it a little bit of, like I said, I do think I can see intentions in there. I just hate that this is the, I, I hope this isn't the final statement on Olivia Wilde as a filmmaker. I'd like think to think that no. she could have some uh, ability to, to kind of pull out and do, and do something interesting. Booksmart is a really good little movie. Scale I mean, it back again, you know. Maybe um, that's it. Maybe it's a scale, but, or maybe it's just, I mean, I think they were trying to juggle a lot with this I agree. film. I think tonally, you're trying to shift around a whole lot. And I think. And um, we've seen movies that juggle just as much, but execute. Yeah, correctly. yeah, and it, it, takes, and it, it takes, gives you appreciation for those when you see yeah. it, and it's like, oh, you didn't quite do it. Yeah. The, the way and look, I certainly am almost 
Um, I, I am almost certainly carrying a certain baggage to this film in that I did like Booksmart so much yeah. that coming into this, it was like, give me an, give me, an, a give me another movie that changes the way I think about it or changes the yeah. way I look at the genre or what, you know, like, uh, so it's, maybe at some it's, point it'll come back around now. Now that being said there, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to the band Joyce Manor before, um, but they put out this record in 2011. That was this incredible collection of like 10 minute and a half to two minute long, like power punk pop songs. Uh, And it was an absolute masterpiece. They were just like kids, you know, and then their second album comes out and the best song on it is a cover of TV killed the radio star. And the rest of it's like not nearly as good. And like me and all my friends that love that first album were just like, well, maybe it was just like an accident. Maybe, maybe they're not like these really brilliant songwriters. Then third album, 2014, Never Hung Over Again comes out. Oh, actually, it wasn't a fluke. They just got a little drunk. Don't yeah. call it a comeback. Because whenever I saw them playing years. around yeah. that second record, they were always like really oh, drunk and, and like bad live. So and they then, sobered up a bit and they kind of got their thing They came going. back around again, How put out a great record. Hopefully that happens with Can Olivia them. Wilde, using non-alcoholic beers, pull out of now? I don't We don't know that it's alcohol at <laughs> Can all. Can she sober up and that deliver has... a third film that is rewatchable the way that Booksmart is? Because this movie is not rewatchable. Probably not. Is this not. beer redrinkable, though? That's the question. I, I say 100% this beer. I am excited about this beer. This is, of all of the non-alcoholic beers that we've had this uh, this journey, outstanding. I mean, to me, this is it has a lot of the flavor notes that I want with a hazy IPA, the tropical, juicy um, hop profile. It's amazing. I will grant you the beer is not fully hazy and visual, but it was opaque enough it was it was convincing enough poured in a glass i enjoyed drinking that tremendously i i almost feel like i've had a beer great yeah uh, the first thing i'll say which is kind of interesting is that the nose is so spot on mm-hmm. to like any hazy ipa we've ever had on this podcast yeah that it kind the I, there's like you know there's no way this is going to taste like Houston Hayes or Electric Jellyfish. I mean it's just like you can get close, but it's never yeah. going to be quite the same. But the nose being a near exact approximation of what you would expect kind of took me a second once I started drinking it to like wash that expectation away mm-hmm. of like exactly what I'm expecting it to taste like. But after two sips or so I was like, "Oh yeah, this is really good." I don't know how that's possible to 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 do that but it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive good. i mean the, the I body think, is thinner i mean it's not yeah. it's it's not as hefty as your typical hazy ipa but flavor wise it's it's amazing how close they get it and i've heard great things about these guys so i i'm excited to well, finally try something i don't think it was this beer actually but um when emily was on the podcast this is what she, that's what she was drinking she was oh, okay. she, she was drinking athletic brewing and she recommended it to us when she left well uh, emily was so we finally was got around i almost ordered way one ahead of, of our, our time yeah, yeah I, I i almost ordered one of these on saturday when i was out and about in austin which we'll talk about on patreon.com slash premium podcast five dollars a month gets you bonus episode every single week um but i ended up not doing it and i'll talk about why later but right. so you bought these locally david yeah, this was on the shelf at uh, Liquid Town. Liquid okay. Maybe it was, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. it was around here. Cool. I saw it. I saw him at HEB recently, and I thought about buying some, and I was like, do I need to? No, probably not. Well, you might need to now. All right, Maybe. well, 
we, we've talked through at least one uh, film that imagines a patriarchal utopia um, and, and maybe shows us some of the cracks in it. That's been done before, and we'll revisit the film that maybe created the template for that when we get back. Now that's how it's done. Uh, yeah, we're back. And so we all know what that means. There's another, in this case, near beer um, in our mitts, our grubby little mitts. And uh, only 11.2 ounces of it this time. Oh, Jesus. Skimping on us. Europeans. Uh, fucking Europeans. Um, they think just because they're imported that they're better than us. So we're, we're doing Heineken. We're, you know, we're cracking a hiney here. Zero um, percent ABV. Well, like David said, eleven point two fluid ounces. We all know some love Heineken, uh, just the generic version, the beer you see it on tap at many a restaurant and bar. Mm-hmm. Wow! And in, this in, is in comparison to our last beer. Look at how translucent, crystal that clear, really. Um, a light yellow Perfection. tint to it. This one, thank God comes in a can so we don't have to worry we don't have <laughs> to worry green about bottles. that stupid <laughs> green bottle getting light struck or anything like that and uh main reason we're talking about um well i guess the main reason that we're stooping as low as to have a big beer offering is because this is the best selling non-alcoholic beer on the market yeah, yeah. Important to try what is leading the market, right? I mean, if we're only going to visit this a little little while, we should try to sample the gamut. We've had some of these craft brews that have tried to emulate. I mean, I think our fanciest one so far today um, with that hazy IPA that, mm-hmm. that we thought was good with the from Athletic. But here, going to that macro, um, you know, b- big beer that you're going to be able to get at your local bar if you're going to find any non-alcoholic options. One yeah. of the things that I do uh, on the spreadsheet we have a spreadsheet and we enter in everything that we've done by episode number by date. And I have a running average of every, the ABV of every beer we've ever drank. Mm -hmm. And it has taken a hit, even though we've, even though we're approaching 500. Yeah. Zero, 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 zero. So we went from 8.3, which we had been at forever. Now we're down to 8.2. When I enter these two, maybe three zeros in, we'll see what happens. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, before, you know, I think all of us went into Don't Worry Darling with that same kind of let's keep it spoiler free attitude. But for some reason, we connected the idea that, that there might be a Stepford Wives connection. Well, I think it was being talked about that way. Mm-hmm. I think the trailer itself, you could tell, okay, there's something too perfect about this vision of 1950, you know, mid century yeah. Americana patriarchal society. Like, Something there, there's going to be dark commentary here on that, and well, that's what Stepford wants. Well, and the patriarch, the patriarchal society set up by design in "Don't Worry, Darling" is the men go off to work every morning in their bright, shiny cars, and the women stay home. And you see that, you know, repeating vacuum, scrub the tub, get Make the, the bed, get the steak marinated. Yeah, that was that was I I I meant to bring that up. That was really odd. 
recurring visual motif. That, that was some of the sound design choice too. When it yeah. when it was doing that, it was like pretty squishy, big, yeah, loud. Yeah. Yeah. Looked like well, a good steak. That looked like fast forward cut. to 1975. That's when the Stepford Wives original came out. As you mentioned, Carlos, there was a remake of it that came out in 1990, 2004. Oh, 2004. Yeah, that's what I said. From director Frank Oz, well, also known as Yoda. Catherine Ross, we've talked about once before as Elaine in The Graduate. She's here again playing Joanna. She moves to the quiet town of Stepford with her husband, played by Peter Masterson, and her kids. The town seems perfect, maybe a little too perfect. (laughs) There's something not quite right with the suburbs' women. They're vapid, unfathomably devoted to housework and completely subservient to their husbands. Joanna teams up with another recent transplant, Bobby, played by Paul Apprentice, to investigate the mystery of Stepford's wives and makes a horrific discovery. There it is. Bada bing, bada boom. Script yeah. by William Goldman. Yeah. Uh, multi-Oscar winner. Uh, the Known. Based on the novel by Ira Levin, by who Ira of Levin. course did Rosemary's Baby just a few years earlier. Oh, he wrote that book as well. Um, if you don't know William Goldman by name, you should because he wrote The Princess Bride. Uh, book and film book and screenplay a unadaptable book as it was known before he did indeed adapt it with Rob Reiner Um, and one of the things Joe that you said when we were kind of discussing the pairings and pitched this one was that when this movie came out it was highly regarded for the, the screenplay yeah it made a splash because if you consider where we were as a country in, at that time of the of the century, 1975, <clears throat> a little earlier when they're writing it and all, uh, it was you know kind of the feminist movement as it was dubbed and called and and defined had been Women's around. Lib. Yeah, had been a- around for, for a little while, and when you just see just a little while though. Yeah, yeah. When you see the film, you can tell. I mean, it's it's. It's satire over hitting you over the head, you know, with with commentary, social commentary here, because uh, they're leaving Manhattan. She's a budding photographer. He's an attorney, and uh, you know, you can imagine a lifestyle in Manhattan to go to this, you know, quaint Connecticut suburb, suburb where the women dress dowdy, like notably dowdy, uh, big sun hats, you know, that like an Easter Sunday dress, well, all the yeah. all of the yeah, time, every day, stylishly w- well groomed, yeah. well kept, kind of um, walking robotic looking almost through the supermarket, <laughs> bing, bing, bing. yeah, <laughs> through the supermarket as they as they uh, trade notes on which starches to use, and this oven cleaner really saved a lot of time in my day, when so that I could get it, the meal on the like table. Like- Huh? I mean, when you describe <laughs> it, all oh, the good old days, David. That's kind of what I want to spend my days doing is at the grocery store, uh, yeah. exchanging household tips. But go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I mean, just now we're just kind of like diving oh, yeah, a little yeah, deep, yeah, yeah, more yeah, deeply yeah. into the plot. When they arrive, it turns out that there's a men's association, a fraternity for boys, for grown kind up, a, for grown ups, a, a, a big deal club that you want to get involved sure, in. Sure, and uh, but admittedly, a lazy fucking writing move right there. I mean, the men's association. They what? couldn't. They it, couldn't come up with a name for boys it. club yeah. i mean come on it's a classic boys club uh, love it <laughs> and this men's club seems to have been designed and run by an ex disney animatronic uh, guy like like that was his profession once upon a time before he moved to this area and at that point, if you didn't know what Stepford Wives was already, <laughs> when did Westworld come out? The Yule Brenner. Uh, that was like early 70s. That was right. Crichton, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah uh, we're going to go on right with this then. trend of 
Surprise, surprise! The men are replacing their flesh and blood well, you wives. You have these amusement parks that are that are popping up like Disney World. They sure. have these animatronic people. hall it's of like, presidents. Oh, and... How far away are we from where we could insert these into our everyday lives? Right. They they are um, replacing their flesh and blood wives. I guess they're just I mean they're killing and disposing of the bodies, right? Uh, Gotta be with uh, animatronics. These are robot women. And you get a hint of that at a party when one of them... Be- no, you get the first hint of it when one of them's hit. There's a traffic accident uh, in the parking lot of the of the supermarket. And she's acting a little wonky. Yeah. But then uh, later in a, at a little party get-together, one of the women just begins saying the same line, same tone, yeah. over and over. And they usher her on out. She had to get back to the shop to get a tune-up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, she's discovering... And then her, when her, and then her best friend, who she's... You know, sharing and all the women's who's new to the community as well, right? Yeah. Uh, they go off. She and her husband go off on a whirlwind weekend of romance, only for her to come back and be exactly like everybody. That can change a person, sure, I'm sure can. Uh, yeah. Where are these clothes? Yeah, so they, those two, what Bobby is the yeah. other one? Mm-hmm. Bobby is the Paul Apprentice character. Yeah, Bobby and Joanne um, are. You know, they kind of get there around the same time. There's another woman named Charlene or Charmaine, Charmaine, Charmaine who got there just a hair before them. And, you know, they're kind of getting along. They're talking about starting a women's group since there's the men's association. Well, there used to be a women's group, but it got disbanded. Yes. So they're 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 talking about starting their own. Um or they could have consciousness sessions. Yeah, consciousness consciousness raising sessions or awareness or something like that. Um only then for them to go to Charmaine's house and see her tennis court being bulldozed in favor of a pool, oh, and now she's different. Uh, and, you know, that's that's when things start really kind of ramping up, I guess. But I'll say one of the... I did like this movie. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Um, I, I liked it. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Um, and in part, I like it has this dreamy quality to it, which I think was mm-hmm. there always but it feels like a very um i don't know like the the, the film itself is very soft focus there's you a lot of glow yeah. yeah 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 i mean not to cut you off midstream carlos but it's i'm going to it's a it's not a good movie as far as all the check boxes that make a good piece of cinema you know uh, the the it, it Seems it was probably very low budget. I didn't look into it. It's probably a lower budget for that time. But The Godfather had come out three years prior. We know what cinematography is. We know what you know mood setting is. Um, the acting is kind of cheesy. The script's got a lot of cheesy. I don't know if that's just because I'm looking at it from a um, 47 year ago lens. Am I close on the math? I'm getting near nearby. 47, yeah, 47. 47 uh, year old lens and sometimes to look at those old 70 movies are just kind of fun to look at because you know the style is a little bit different than what yeah. we expect yeah. but it seems like it's what a really well made movie I liked it I liked it a lot I would recommend this movie it be part of your kind of dictionary if like if you like to watch films that are notable in specific time periods this is one you should put on the list if anything like you said the term Stepford Wife She's become a real Stepford wife. Oh, I don't want to be a Stepford wife. That's a term in our vernacular. I'd like to know where that came from. What's the movie that that's based on in the book? Right. So I, um, I did like this movie a lot, even though there's not a lot of chills or thrills. It's not, you know, they call it. Well, a ho- and when it gets to the the horror ending of it, it it really kind of plays up the horror. I mean, like 
going to the house during a storm and and you know confronting classic right classic. i mean it, it really kind of digs into it which it, is a funny move that i was not necessarily expecting and we don't know how any of it works we just know what is happening well they get so replaced they, they acquire the information you well, i'm just saying going to that house bing. yeah yeah going into that house going to the house in that idea. setting without knowing what's going to happen oh, you're yeah. a little tense right yeah, I mean, sure. yeah. what are we going to see yeah at this point she's stabbed her best friend yeah. only for bobby to pull the knife out of herself with no blood or anything and then start repeating the Short same circuiting. phrase dropping coffee right. mugs throwing instant coffee on the ground etc um but yeah whenever um that kind of final climactic sequence begins especially when it's raining and she's going into the men's association house or whatever it's it's got <laughs> it's a big clubhouse it's a big clubhouse it's got a very uh um suspiria type of vibe to it and and there's something i really like about these um kind of horror suspense thriller films from the 70s one thing being that they just loved the zoom lens Mm. um there's a really prominent zoom in the very beginning when she's getting in the car to move out of manhattan and the other thing is just the kind of uh, I you know there's something to be said for an effective like slow build like this one has because it does kind of yeah it takes ease its you time it, it takes its know? time I and, think it does a much better job getting us into Joanna's uh, state of mind than uh, don't worry darling does with uh, yeah Alice Alice thank you um, th- there it's so erratic and you're shifting around so much I never felt closely aligned. You know, with Joanna, you, you understand this is how somebody would experience this thrust into this kind of situation if it were to exist. And I think the I think the relationship at the center is more interesting than Jack and Alice's and Don't Worry Darling, because like, you know, they're moving out in the beginning, and then once we get to Stepford, that's when they start to kind of build that relationship in the audience's eyes. Like, there's a confrontation where. Uh, he's talking about joining the men's association and she's like, look, you didn't ask me if I wanted to move here. You didn't ask me any of this stuff. Like you clearly have already made your decision and now you're trying to get me to like agree with you. Just say that you did it, you know, like let's skip all that other pageantry and just get to the point, you know? So you see these kind of, this kind of headbutting in there. The other wives don't talk to their husbands like this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I need to go ask some questions at the men's association. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it takes its time. And then once it gets there, it really kind of ramps up and it gets very sinister. And then another thing that I like about these movies is that it just fucking ends. Like, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's no like, I mean, there is like a little bit. It's like 45 seconds or whatever. You get the grocery But it's not like a five, uh, 10 minute kind of like explanation. It just slow down at the end. It offers you a clear resolution. If they had just cut it's gone to black then that would have been a little too open-ended. You needed to see, okay, did, did they? Yeah, they killed her. Yeah, yeah. The, the narrative resolves, but it's not, it's unsettled. The end is unsettled. Oh, it's terribly you know? unsettling, but it's, <laughs> it's totally not, settled. <laughs> yeah, it is settled, but... Uh, and I like and I like that about it. Like, I... That... I like that feeling of uneasiness at the end. I like that, like, yeah. oh, fuck, like... Yeah this is this sucks <laughs> like yeah, that was yeah you know especially after like all that build-up and everything you know i know i mentioned the remake earlier but i think where the remake goes wrong is that there's the twist but then they twist the twist and it's like, oh, oh really they twist the twist 
They do twist the twist. Well, yeah, Carlos, uh, I had some extra time. Uh, this one we watched on a YouTube grab. It wasn't available on any of the streaming I services. I did Tubi. Yeah, the, Tubi did have a version of it, too. Okay. The, the, it was on a couple other okay. sites. And then um, HBO Max is hosting the... Two thousand four, yeah. Yeah. So I I immediately watched it. I was like, okay, let's let's see what they did. I I think I'd seen it prior. I had for sure. Yeah, and that's not what we were here. We are here to discuss, but we find ourselves two of us just recently watching it. Yeah, that's a piece of garbage. It's not good. It's horrible. Oh no, Rogue Beer. Oh, we weren't here to discuss the two thousand four version of uh, this film, but we weren't here to drink this beer either. And you know. If we're going to have these near beers uh, all month of September here, um, we had to at least try the old standard, the, the one that came along in, Joe, did you say 1990? 1990, is, I looked it up. Oh, duels, folks, from Anheuser-Busch. It so seems they, like it was in, around earlier than 1990, but yeah, that's what the I internet's like telling me. About it too, but. I've known about it my whole life, so it makes sense. Well, there uh, you go. So, oh, duels, going back to the O oh basics. Introducing this other version of near beer... When you guys are introducing this other version of so of the, the 2004 film was was a failure in it comparison sucks. to this. Uh, it's really bad. It relies on a lot of stereotypes. A lot of stereotypes. Um, it was banking on its cast. I mean, you've got uh, Nicole Kidman, Matthew Broderick, Bette Midler, Christopher Walken, Glenn Close, John Lovitz. John, what the fuck was John Lovitz doing? Oh, I love John Lovitz. <laughs> um, you know, and then and then a couple of other familiar faces as well, kind of like household faces. You know, not names. Did you say Christopher Walken? I did say Christopher okay. Walken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they all of the like great character building, slow build to the climactic sequence in this original is gone from the two thousand four when they Just blitz through not it. Not there at all. They add a. Um, a gay man to the Bobby Joanne dynamic. Okay. Who I mean, huge stereotype. Like mm-hmm. the joke is that who, he's gay. Who plays that? Uh, that he's character. a guy you would recognize. I I recognize him, but I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, and then by the time you get to the point where it's Nicole, a gay, it's a gay couple, and the one of them asserts being the one that kills and replaces with the robot. The other gay oh. man. Yeah, yeah. There's like, like, wow. like the flamboyant gay yeah, man. Flamboyant. Look, look at my outfits. You know that. He's and then, got he's got frosted tips and stuff. Yeah, but then he becomes a Republican sen- uh, wow. candidate for senator. Yeah. It's so dumb. Um, it's, so it's pretty bad. Uh, Roger Bart. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's yeah. The guy's. Yeah, name. you totally recognize so, the actor's name. Look. Well, that's too bad. See, I, I said like this has this kind of gauzy. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. but so so when you get to the part where Nicole Kidman realizes what they're going to do to her, also they don't very well establish like if there are actual robotic parts in these women or not. There's like a chip that goes in the brain yeah, kind of situation, different. and it's very Elon Musk. But um, actually, this movie might have been prophetic in uh, in that regard. Anyway. That happens. You see her in the supermarket. And if you've seen the original, you're thinking to yourself, is this movie that short? Like, I know it's only like a 95-minute movie, but it doesn't seem like it's been 95 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then there's this whole fourth act where... uh, Turns out, Nicole Kidman was faking it. She's not actually a Stepford wife. And uh, Matthew Broderick goes into the men's association undoes all of the programming and the other women they begin to revolt against the husband 
and then Nicole Kidman is going to smack Christopher Walken with like a candlestick or something and she hits him in the back of the head and his head pops off and he is the robot. His wife, Glenn Close, is the mastermind behind the Stepford Wives because she wanted to return to that idyllic time when men were men and women were women and everything was great and everyone was perfect and and that her whole plan all along was to also go and replace the men later but she had to create so this perfect man in Christopher Walken to convince the other men and that they had to Stepfordize their wives, and uh, it was a whole thing. Um, it was a long con. So the, what you're saying con. is this was a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant movie. It was not. I no. mean, although the, the unfolding layers. Do you know Nolan passed on this? He had, he he was the one who initially fleshed out. <laughs> well, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. I was the I, Russian doll. <laughs> I was going to, against my better judgment, praise Nicole Kidman's performance in the remake, but I won't do that now uh, oh. because Brian De Palma was supposed to direct the 1975 Stepford Wives. Really? And William Goldman did not want him to, so it went to Brian Ooh. Forbes, who uh, I don't know. English that director. Well. They thought that an English sensibility for a American society piece might be an interesting. And it worked. Um, for the lead role, Diane Keaton was initially met yeah. with, mm-hmm. but she turned it she down. She would have worked. Uh, she would have worked very well. Um, but I, the reason that I know all this was because I was looking for a budget and could not find one. But it did make $4 million at the box office. Yeah, I think um, it was considered like a mild success at yeah. the time. Yeah, Got a 68% of Rotten Tomatoes it, as of right it, now. There was a sequel of sorts, yes. right? And, uh, and then a series of TV movies. TV movies, yeah. Stepford Children, Return of the Stepford Wives, you know. Revenge of the yeah. So what you're saying is Don Johnson a, was in that. Holy shit! Stepford, I have a weekend ahead of me. Stepford going Wives the 3D. Stepfordiverse. Mm-hmm. Now I would watch that. That would be interesting. The, if the, Christopher Walken's head flew the out SCU at me in Stepford 3D. Cinematic Universe. Can we do that? We I would. I would like it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think this movie. It has a more focused critique and commentary than something like Don't Worry Darling does that makes it work. Interestingly, it wasn't really embraced by the feminist movement leaders divided, at the time. Pretty yeah. divided. Um, they said that it was a like a sensationalized kind of um, bad... Reduction of the women's living. Right, yeah, right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Watching it now, knowing when it came out, I find that reaction hard to believe because because it really is what we're what we're fighting for here is simple equality but but we are what we can show a photograph you know, we can show a film of, of what it was like yeah generally 20ish years ago and th- there might be powers that be that would like for it to go back to just the way that it was yeah now but th- that was rejected by you're right it was divided it kind of you know one thing that i i found that made especially the third act of this movie really work and like i said it, it felt very sinister once you got towards that and i i think that there's an argument to be made that it is a horror movie at the end of the day yeah it definitely but, goes that horror but, route at the end but the thing that kind of takes the teeth out of the remake and and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but this was my reading of the original. So in the remake, Matthew Broderick doesn't go to Stepford. Or like, like he finds out once he's in Stepford 
why all these other wives are so like obedient and like complacent right. with just doing housework and stuff like that. It seems to me in this 1975 version, the guy moves that knowing. Walt goes yeah. there so he can do this. I, to his I, wife. That's how I feel it works right? in the in the 75 version. I, I did not think that he knew he was going to roboticize his wife no. before yeah. he moved. I, there. I definitely thought that's why he moved there. No, I thought they were just getting out of the city. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind that of was, took it like that was he, my reading. He was it. too quick to get into. It. I don't know. Also, the thing that makes the original more sinister as well, and, and granted, the remake is like a out and out comedy, right? Yeah. So they weren't even trying Joe to go Dante. for like the horror thing. Uh, Frank Oz. Frank Oz no. directed it. Um, but the whole reason for these men wanting to do that is because all of their wives are these industry tycoons, these incredibly successful women, and Matthew Broderick even gives this whole speech to Nicole Kidman where he is like you've beaten me at everything since we met like you you know beat me at tennis you beat you've you've out career. You've, you've out earned me you've you know all this other stuff and and what do I get and she's like well you get to be with me and I'm like yeah for sure <laughs> but in the original competition but in the but but in the original it literally is just like all the men are just like you belong in this place. It doesn't have anything to do with like feeling inferior or any of these other kinds of things, which I think makes it worse. Like there's not even like a justification for it. They're just yeah. like shitty men. Yeah. That are well, just yeah, like, that's the way my parents were. And that's what I want it to be like. Yeah. 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 It, I don't know. It's uh, it was, and I get that you probably wouldn't have been able to do that in 2004. It wouldn't have landed the same way. You're too far removed from the fifties at mm -hmm. that point, I guess. But I, but I felt like all of that being said, like watching the two side by side and then even watching the side by side with Don't Worry Darling, that that kind of um, lack of justification, not lack of justification, but that lack of any kind of like core emotional reasoning other than just like, I want to be in control right. makes this much more alarming or much more icky yeah. than... Mm -hmm. I'm glad, although, I'm glad we although, picked it. I'm glad I finally saw worry, it. Darling is pretty icky as well from the motivation perspective. D yeah, they're definitely <laughs> right. clearly both reprehensible motivations behind. Well, well here's these. the question. If you wanted to put your significant other in their place and live this kind of idyllic life, would you rather be a in a Matrix-like simulation or would you rather have a robot wife that's just like the other wife as long as you know you don't stab her? I don't know how to answer that question, but from the, the women's perspective, I can tell you that I'd rather be replaced by a robot. And just killed. Than, than trapped rather, in a simulation. I'd rather just be done with it, get me out of here. I don't want to wake up with my muscles atrophied and like barely clinging on to life after right. being in bed for 10 years or right. whatever. Yeah, know. what the hell kind of end would that We're be? not all Grandpa Joe. We can't just spring out of bed after 20 years and start dancing. And... <laughs> oh, is that his name in Wonka? Yeah. Joe, right? Yeah, yeah, Grandpa Joe? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can't all just, you know, uh, get up and do it. Why the hell are you even laying in that bed, bro? You walked just yeah. fine. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the classic. One that's of the... Classic most retroactively maligned characters in cinema. <laughs> oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Was, there has been a revolt against him yeah. uh, over the Seems last so 10 or so years. Seems so fun-loving the first passes at yeah. it, but then when somebody points it out, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. How do they not see this old man for the terrible... How can they all not revolt <laughs> against him? How can they all not hate this you man? You piece of... You've been making this woman wait hand and foot on <laughs> you, and you could have got up this whole time. Yeah. That's kind of a Stepford Wives tale, if you really think about it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Th that is a whole style of living that goes 
beyond what Stepford Wives had to deal with. Yeah, Charlie's mom is one of the most put upon characters in all of cinema history. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, uh, a good a good pairing, I would say. Um, yeah, they're re- they're definitely related. It's 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 great. To, I need to taste one of these O'Doul's before we get oh, to yeah, the beer yeah. part. It's great to uh, see the uh, you know the seventies attempt at doing that finally after all these years for me like this this film uh being something that i had heard referenced many many times didn't see the remake in the 2000s still haven't because i didn't do the extra homework like you guys but i'm glad that i've seen the 75 version i agree with you joe i think this isn't necessarily a film that's like it fills some sort of special place in your cinema knowledge Mm -hmm. but it is from like a historical popular culture standpoint I think remarkable enough that you'd want to include it on that list of, you know, horror films of the seventies to see, or however, however you want to think about it. Imagine, it. imagine taking a date to that movie, <laughs> and then the conversation on the way home. I, I would never, I think of doing that. Do um, you, do you think that I should just wait on you hand and foot and cook? And no, <laughs> oh, of course, not. no, never, never. No. I mean, of course, I, I do like a tidy house, but <laughs> <laughs> not like a hot meal. Yeah, and please start massaging the steaks. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it it it's funny to see these films take these things on. I really wish "Don't Worry, Darling" had been more successful with it. Stepford Wives, I think, more much more of a success. Um, and, and that's kind of been what our journey with near beers have been throughout the month of September, where we are trying these things. Some of them have been big successes in that it, we feel like it can kind of fill this spot that you have when you want a multi beverage. Uh, others haven't quite done that. Others last week in particular gave us a couple real, uh, they, they tried us hard. They, they pushed us. Yeah. Um, this week, I feel like we started out with maybe our best of the whole run. Coming into the I second disagree, half, but the hazy. You didn't think the hazy was the best. Second, second after Thunder Kiss Coffee was my favorite. Oh, you did like that one a lot. I like, I that, like that. Okay, but here in the second half, we brought ourselves two beers, and I know Carlos is just getting to that second one right now. The Heineken zero point zero, widely available, biggest selling non-alcoholic right now. Um, and O'Doul's, one of the old standbys, which isn't as old as we thought it was, but still has been around for a good, good long time. Um, Over 30 years. Yeah. And, and so here we are drinking these two kind of side by side. <laughs> I mean, this is when you're going for that. We've talked about these light American lagers, uh, or, although this is a, a European take on that. Um, I like... A Heineken every once in a while, like if it's cold, and and I think under the right circumstances, that Heineken there could work very well for that kind of just light throwback. Sure, don't even think about it, beer. But I wasn't quite in that situation here with you guys tonight because I just sipped on that hazy IPA for a while, and I really kind of savored the flavor here. Here, there was no savoring; it was just drinking to quench thirst. Yeah, would you agree? I kind of like the Heineken. Yeah, you liked it? I like it better than a normal Heineken. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, you said you like a Heineken every once have, in a while. I, I, you I, know, you say that it doesn't have the skunky note that Heineken, but that's hard to separate from it often being in those green bottles and you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the only time I ever have it. Uh, I mean, it's almost a guarantee that if a place has taps, they've got something better than Heineken on tap. You know, yeah. even if it's, especially in Texas where Shiner Bach, what yeah. other parts of the country consider a craft beer 
is so, you know yeah. basically like water to most Texans. Yeah, you you're know, still paying just... an import quote unquote price for that Shiner box yeah. most of the time. Yeah, here, yeah, oh, it's sometimes included. Yeah, on those lists. But yeah. look, prices of beers get very skewed when you're a craft beer dork because they do. you know. So when you said when you when I saw the marketing of that can for the Heineken 0.0, it really reminded me of the Michelob Ultra. Now, of course, I'm abstaining tonight because this is my last week to be grain free. <laughs> next next week, all horror October kicks off, and I'm demanding that we put a fantastic beer on the table. My return and in your mouths. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. I'll lick it off the table if required. <laughs> this looked to me like you're going. You said flavor free, David. Like, <laughs> like a Michelob Ultra kind of flavor free. Yeah, but situation. like it's the hint of beer. It's like the that that sort of whisper of beer is in the flavor there. But then when you have like a really light, like a Michelob Ultra, um, one of those beers, it kind of has that quality to it. I mean, it fills a certain little gap there right i mean i think and, and i kind of used i i had the oduls the other day i i mowed the lawn i, I went outside I, I it was very hot i i came inside and this was a time where in the past i might have drank a regular beer too quickly because i often am so thirsty after i've mowed the lawn and do sure but this one i picked up an oduls i threw it back and it didn't matter really what the flavor was as long as there was the hint of beer there like the maltiness there's a little hop but that was enough to get me by where i thought that was pretty refreshing. Well, I'll say that it could be a byproduct of the fact that it's been 37 days since I've had a beer. But the Heineken kind of tasted like a light beer to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wouldn't even go as far as to say it tasted like it had a hint of beer. It tasted like if someone handed me a Michelob Ultra or something. To me, again, yeah. it's been a while since I've had a proper beer, but... So the... It fills that, and you've just taken a sip of the O'Doul's. Yeah. The O'Doul's is slightly sweeter. Yeah. I agree. Um, but I feel like I'm leaning. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm leaning Heine on this one. Wow. Well, if I had to go. pick between the two. Yeah. But which is, I, I got to really rethink my values and life choices well, and we're who I am as a human being, yeah. you know? Um, but. I mean, they're both good. They're both fine, though. Both pool, beach day, someone hands me one. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm in. You know, can't take glass by the pool, so the hoppy refresher's out of the equation. That's so true. give me an old duels or a high knee all day, and I'll, I'll run with it um, once I'm properly hydrated, of course. <laughs> you know, one thing we hadn't considered, and I just looking it up. Uh, each the O'Doul's has 79 calories and 12 ounces, 69 in the Heineken, and 70 in your um, Athletic Brewing Free Wave. Mm -hmm. Used to talk about kicking those back, and yeah. I know that people like those Michelob Ultras because they're very they're low calorie for a beer. It's the runner's beer, low yeah. carb specifically. Yeah, I was just curious what the uh, the caloric caloric content on those was. It's not too bad. However, O'Doul's is the official brew of the PGA Tour, so it gives it gives it points for me. Got to get back out on the links, baby. It's been a while. Has it been a while? S Seventy on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a hot ass minute, um, but you know. October's gonna. I was gonna say I'm about to have some free time, but that's not even a true statement. Um, <laughs> speaking of free time, uh, the great thing about this podcast is that the conversation doesn't end when the episode ends. It continues on your favorite social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com. 
is our home base and where you can find all of the best extracurricular beer and a movie activities. Um, you can find a link to our Patreon there or go to patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week and we talk about all sorts of things, not just beer and movies. You can find a link to our Discord there where, yes, we did in real time break down all the Don't Worry Darling drama. Uh, and there was there was many a meme uh, about it as well. Uh, but, you know, we're also talking about many other things what what we're listening to what what we're cooking in the kitchen uh, uh, other life events um and you can find a link to our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash beer and movie or again on our website as i said before shirts hoodies stickers mugs the whole thing you can find it there and Last but not least, Joe has been putting together these great, well-curated selections of episodes, which is going to be um, especially pertinent as we ramp up to All Horror October, because you can go on the website and click the All Horror October uh, grouping of episodes, and you can listen to all of the past episodes we've done for All Horror October. All of the horror movies that we have tackled in the past, which are bountiful, plentiful, there's a great many on there. Got an some archive of, now, yeah. Some of the most top-tier films in horror uh, are all there. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, leave us that five-star rating. Leave us a written review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. All of that uh, really helps the podcast out a lot, helps manipulate that algorithm, helps put us in front of more beer and movie lovers and um this has been another oddly robotic episode of beer in a movie until next time you see doctor my problem is that given complete freedom of choice i don't want to squeeze the goddamn charmin